Make way, make way. Coming through. Behold the greatness. It's hard to carry that much humility when it's that big all by myself. Uh, hey, big hand for my trophy bearer. Thank you. Well done, Jimmy. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Woo. Getting a little dusty. Sorry about that little guy. Not every day you get one of these. Quick photo op. Anyone? No. Selfie. Oh, wait. I know I don't, I don't like to brag about myself much, but when you're that great... You're just that great. You may be wondering, well, what could that amazing trophy be for? I'll read it to you. 2015, Chili Cook-Off, better than first place. John Fatrock, Lancaster, the chili was Cowboy's Revenge. 2000, well, we won't talk about 2016 because someone else cheated But 2017, I came back to reclaim the title. It was called Chili Surprise. It was beautiful. And I have this lovely trophy. And it just, ah, here we go. You know, we live in a culture where it seems like everyone gets a trophy for something, huh? Even if you don't deserve it. Oh, you showed up to the game. Play. Came every week. Here's your participation trophy at the end of the year. Coach, I sat at the bench. I get a trophy for showing up all season and sitting on the bench? Yep. I want to let you in on a little secret. It's Family Sunday. Kids, brace yourselves. The world doesn't want you to know this. In the game of life, there are winners and there are losers. You're like, that's not a very nice Family Sunday message. Hey, let me ask you this question. Do you think that all of the athletes that make it to the Olympics are winners? You ever think about that? Because even if at the Olympics they may not win a gold, silver, or bronze medal, but they're Olympians. You don't, you don't get to be an Olympian by getting fifth place in every event as you climb that ladder, so to speak. And, and even if, if they don't, win at the Olympics, what do they receive by being there, by being an Olympian? What do they actually see? Do you ever, you ever watch the opening ceremonies of the Olympians, of the, or the Olympians, of the Olympics? <laughs> when the Olympians come walking out, they've got their flags from their countries, and, and as long as they let somebody besides Tommy Hilfiger design their outfits, they look really good. <laughs> you remember that? A few Olympics back, Tommy Hilfiger did the clothes for our Olympians. It's like, they look like marshmallows with stripes. What'd they do to those guys at the Winter Olympics? Poor kids. They come out, their eyes are gleaming with excitement. Their smiles, they're, they're representing their country. The, it's, it's the experience, their posture. You can see it in the way they walk. It shows how proud they are to be there. Years of training, years of, of competition, years of accomplishment. Uh, and they're representing their country. And, and then during the games... They, I have to move this because I keep looking over here and it looks like it's kicking Shannon right in the face. Sorry. Um, years of, of training, they do all this stuff and then they come to the games and they just, they play as hard as they can and, and like some of the best stories come out of, of Olympic games because you get that, that one person that you don't know it until after they've won and they're like, they've had the flu for seven years, you know, or whatever and, and they, they 
persevered and they pushed on. And, and through that, that setback, they still won. They did something great. And even, even if they fall short, they don't just pack up and go home. They stay and they support the other Olympians from their country. They stay and they, they support their team. They cheer on their fellow teammates. They applaud for those who win medals even when they don't get to stand on that podium themselves. And then we come to the closing ceremony. The mood is different at the closing ceremony. Some, as they're, as they're walking out, some of them are crying. A lot of them are crying. But if you see the stories, some of them are crying for different reasons. Some of them are crying because it's their last opportunity ever to have participated in an Olympic sporting event. Some of them are crying maybe because they won for the first time ever. They, they brought the gold back to their country in a particular arena of, of sport. That some of them are crying because they're coming out and they're the ones who, who did something where they're coming out, they like blew out their knee or something, so they're coming out on crutches with their team and they're crying, not because they let their team down, because they gave their all and, and they left everything on the field, so to speak. And so there's this emotion. And, and even though they're all coming back out for that, that final uh, parade, if you will, whatever it is, they've experienced the opportunity of a lifetime. All the years of practice, all the years of training, have paid off. It's been worth it. And even those who injure themselves, they're like, it's been worth it. I made this journey. I wouldn't change a thing. Well, yeah, they'd love to win the gold, but, but it brought them to a whole new season in life. And then now is their time, regardless of how they did, to bask in this wonderful moment of celebration. And I think personally that at that level, I think all Olympic athletes are winners. Because like I said, they, you don't get to be an Olympian by getting fifth place or sixth place or, or by sitting the bench, so to speak. They're overcomers. There's always a story. Even if they don't receive a medal, they're winners. Each and every athlete enjoys the festivities, the games, the village, all that stuff. And I want to take that illustration. I want you to kind of wrap your mind around, and, and it doesn't matter what Olympic sport you like or, or what your favorite. Just keep that in mind today, all right? And, and it may not be a perfect illustration, but I think this illustration of the Olympic events will help us understand our subject a little bit better. And we're going to close out our series today. And the series has been called The Purpose of the Heart. And today we're going to look at what I've called a heart revealed and a heart rewarded. So follow along as I share some scriptures to set the stage. And then we're going to make some applications. I want to start off with our key scripture for this whole series. It comes from 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 5. And then we're going to have some, some emphasis on, on verse 5. So stay with me. It says this. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Will disclose the purposes of the heart. By definition, that there's a word in there. They're right here, 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 5. Here it is, verse 5, the end then each one will receive his commendation from God. And it's that word commendation that caught my attention. Each one will receive his commendation from God. What does that even mean? Do you know what a commendation is? Have you ever received a commendation? 
So if you're nodding, awesome. Each one will receive a commendation from God. By definition, a commendation is an official award. Sometimes it's given for bravery or for service. But it's always given as a formal public statement. And so back to that, that Olympics, the Olympics, they stand on, that pe- on the podium, first, second, third place. They bow down and they're, they're presented with that commendation. It's very public. It's very celebratory. I looked up some, some synonyms for commendation. Favorable reception is one. Approving is one. And, and so keep that in mind. Each one will receive his favorable reception from God. Each one will receive his approval from God. Each one will receive his blessing. That's another word for a commendation. Each one will receive his applause from God. Each one will receive his eulogy from God, which, by the way, eulogy means good word. Okay, so when you, when you share a eulogy of someone, you're sharing a good word about them. Uh, each one will receive his good opinion from God, his congratulations. So there, there are many different words, but think on that because I want to talk about what we know of Jesus' return. Because the Bible tells us he will return, and when he returns, he will judge. The Bible says at some point in time, every knee will bow, every head will, or excuse me, every knee will bend, and every head will bow to him. And at that time, you will receive one of two things. You will receive judgment for the life you have lived, or you will receive commendation for the life you have lived. Which one do you think you would like to receive? Anybody for judgment? How about commendation? Yeah. I want to receive commendation. I want to look at Jeremiah real quick. He had something to say about the one who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is in the Lord. It's Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 through 10. It says this, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. Verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The Lord, I the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. You see, the Lord will search the heart and he will test the mind And he will give every one of us according to our ways, according to the fruit of our deeds. Now, let me ask you this question. What kind of fruit are you producing? Are you producing fruit in your life like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control? Or are you producing bad fruit? Are you producing fruit like pride and anger and rage and malice and gossip, selfishness, slander, filthy language, lies? Remember, the Lord will give to us according to our ways. That means according to how we live our life, he will reward us with judgment or commendation. If we are prideful or have personal agendas that are opposite of God's, then we are going to fail at doing our part. We cannot commit to grow in his ways and in his word if we're producing bad fruit in our life. You can't, too, you can't do both things. The Bible says you can't serve two masters. Sometimes we fail at this. Rather than inspiring and loving and serving one another, our actions cause hurt and dysfunction in his church and in our community. You see, Jesus wants us to love and care for one another. He wants us to 
produce good fruit. And when we do that, when we produce good fruit, our heart will be rewarded. We, and this is not like, uh, we, we can't really wrap our minds into this. Like it's a, it's a works thing. If, if we do all this stuff, then we're going to be rewarded. It's not, I'm not, I'm not preaching a works thing. I'm saying if we are bearing the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and we stand before God, we'll get his applause. This leads to how we care for people. When we love, when we're gentle, when we show kindness, when we live out the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, it, it leads to a care and a compassion because we're concerned about the same things that our Lord is. He calls us to be nurturing to others. And, and as He is with us, when we fight against each other, that's not what, what He's asking for. Sometimes we look for reasons to leave a relationship rather than to stay and work through something for his glory. It happens in the church all the time. I think it's hurtful. I, I think it's even pathetic in God's eyes when we won't stay and work things through in our relationships. We need to stay conscious as to the way that we are living our lives. We need to stay conscious to the way that we are treating others. Psalm 4421 says this. It says, would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. I said last week, you can't outrun God. You can't outgive God. He already knows. You can pretend that everything is fine. You can pretend that, that you're doing one thing. God knows the secrets of your heart. God knows what's in your heart. And we're, because of that, we're given this warning in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. You see, there's no reason or necessary function for an authentic Christian to be drawn to things like sin and greed and rage and dirty language and gossip and slander and malicious behaviors or idolatry being allowed to rule in our hearts and minds. These things cause us to hurt each other. They cause us to hurt ourselves. And then we seek other things to be our God and give us direction in life. We may not be able to remove sin completely, that's why every Sunday I remind you all that it's time to go to win and commit to grow. If we're committed to growing in Christ, if we're committed to growing in His ways and not in the ways of the world, part of that commitment is that we can move away from sin and closer towards our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because with Jesus, we can throw off these wrong desires. It's not something that we can't do. With Jesus, we can do this. Part of that commitment is that we can move away from sin when we, when we throw off those wrong desires, we begin to live a life that's real. We begin to live a life that's impacting for others. We begin to live a life that is triumphant for Christ. Ultimately, we will live a life that will be rewarded by Christ. With our commitment made to grow in Christ, we're going to find that when our heart is revealed at that time, we will be rewarded. Don't allow your life to be hidden. Don't allow yourself to become ineffectual. Satan wants two things. He wants to prevent people from committing themselves to Jesus Christ. And if they do that, that really doesn't even bother him because he then wants to just distract. Just distract Christians enough that they're not being a reflection of Christ. That we become ineffectual. Don't allow your life to be hidden. Listen, you are so much better than what the world says you are. You are better than the people at school or work 
say you are. I want to share a secret with you. You may have forgotten this, and, and maybe you need to hear this, this statement that I'm about to say. Maybe that's why you're here today, but I want you to hear this very clearly. When it comes to the purpose of the heart, through Jesus Christ, we have power from him. Okay? We have power from him. In our sins, we are dead, and our heart is without purpose. But in Christ, we are made alive. In him, the purpose of the heart is not only revealed, but it's rewarded. In ourselves, the reward has already been given. I shared that a few weeks ago when we talked about how people, how the Pharisees would pray and they would draw attention to themselves. They already got their reward. But in Christ, we're made alive. And the purpose of our heart is not only revealed, but it's rewarded. So what more can you possibly need or want? Because when it comes right down to it, Christ is all that matters. When we accept him as our Lord and Savior, he is living and working in us. And when we allow him to, through his Holy Spirit, he will guide us as we commit to grow in him. Folks, there is a sin war that's waging all around us. And we need to arm ourselves with God's word. I did a series on the armor of God not too long ago. And, and we need to do that every day. We need to arm ourselves with the armor of God, of his word. We need to commit to training and preparing for battle. By the way, our battle is not with one another. That, that goes back to what Satan wants to do to render us useless and ineffectual. He wants us to, to argue with one another. He wants us to battle with one another about things that don't matter. Our battle is not with one another. It's with sin. Our battle is with sin. And, and like I said a few weeks ago, if someone comes to you and shares with you about a sin that they see in your life, you don't get to say to them, hey, get the plank out of your own eye before you get the speck out of mine. It's what we like to say because it's a nice way. It's the Christian way of saying, hey, mind your own business. I'm just fine without you. But that's not what God wants. And so when, when someone reminds you of something, you need to be like, okay, thank you. That, that took a lot for you to come and share that with me. But then you do this. Thanks for sharing it. Will you help me work on it? I think that's kind of the litmus test of where their heart is when someone comes to you with something like that. Yeah, I'll help you work on it. I'll help you with that. See, our battle's not with one another. So when you come to me and you say, hey, I see this in your life. This is, this is the fruit I'm seeing and it's not healthy fruit. I want you to help me prune that back. And, when someone, when, and the same thing goes, it's, it's what our community is about. The battle is with sin, and we need each other for support. We need each other for accountability. We need each other for love so that we can fight this battle together. And we need to commit to God's word so that we can be trained, so that we are prepared with the attitude of Christ, so that we're prepared with Christ's outlook, with Christ's knowledge, and with his love for others. We need to produce good fruit so that on the day that he returns, we will be rewarded. Listen to these words by John Piper. Therefore, Paul says, we make it our goal to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Yes, it is the future judgment that should motivate us. It is knowing that the condemnation we have deserved will not be inflicted on us. You see, what we deserve won't be given. That, that should give us, that should give us gratitude. That should give us a desire to have a heart to be like Christ. It's also the anticipation of solid joys and lasting pleasures that should encourage us during hardships to continue to serve him. Piper says, looking forward to eternal rewards in heaven, the effect is to make our present actions purposeful. And so when you look to what the purpose of the heart is, 
I hope you'd be encouraged that knowing there are eternal rewards in heaven that will make our present actions, our actions of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, that will make those actions purposeful. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians, our work will be shown for what it is, either burned up as simple chaff or chaff, while we are saved or refined to shine forever like the stars in the heaven to the glory of God and to our own eternal delight. I want to jump back to the trophy and the Olympics for a second. To a point, every Olympian is a winner. But I guarantee you this, every last one of them went to those games with the intent to do their very best. They were striving with all their might to win a medal. Why does that matter? Because nobody gets to that level of performance by only doing things halfway. And so, as Christians, we're not going to get to that level where our Christ is, or where our heart is something that imitates Christ if we're not involved in His Word, if we don't allow Him to be involved in our life, if we don't allow Him to be the purpose for our relationships. One of my favorite things about our CPR groups is, is the CPR stands for Christ Promoting Relationships. If Christ is what's promoting your relationship, then you've got a focal point of something that's good and solid. If Christ is not in that relationship, all you're doing is networking with someone else for what they can give you. It's like walking into a room and just handing out business cards and asking people for business cards so that when you're looking for a plumber, you can call up a plumber. But when your relationship is promoted by Christ... All these things I talked about, all this, the, the fruit, the rewards, all this stuff will come out in those relationships. As Christians, we're not called to mediocrity. We are called to Christ-likeness. Which means if, if he's calling us to that, it's attainable. Is it easy? No. But is it attainable? Yes. It's attainable because we have everything we need in God's Word to show us how to get there. But we have to be willing, just like an Olympian, we have to be willing to put in the work. We have to be willing to put in the hours at the gym, so to speak, the training facility, the track, the, the rowing machine, whatever it is. We have to be willing to put the time in. As Christians, we will all go to heaven. And the Bible says that. But there's a little competitiveness in me, in case you hadn't noticed. Do you want to just squeak through the gates? Hey, I'm here. Thanks. I made it. Whew. Or do you want to soar those gates? Be able to stand before God and say, I did everything I could to be like Jesus. Look, I've never, well, except for math class, I've never squeaked by on anything. I'm all in when it comes to stuff, sometimes to a fault. Do you want your works, do you want, you want your service to be burnt up like, like, chaff or do you want your works to be made of gold and silver do you want to hear come on in you made it or do you want to hear well done my child come and receive your rewards climb up on the pedestal and, and receive your medal now is our time to serve and give with all of our hearts not to outdo one another not to show off here on earth but to offer the very best of us up to the one who gave his best for us and I don't know what that looks like for you today, uh, but, but I know that your heart will be revealed and your heart will be rewarded.
and, and maybe for you, you need a fresh start this morning so that you can work towards that goal. The, the baptistry is ready. We would love to start your week with baptism for the forgiveness of your sins to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe this morning you just need a little time to talk with someone, to pray about the purpose of your heart. To, to Maybe God's putting something on you and, and you're trying to figure that out. Our elders are here. They'd love to go and, and talk and pray with you privately. Maybe today is a day that you would choose just to, to partner with us here at Huntsville Christian Church for accountability in your life. I talk to people all the time. I say it's, it's dangerous when you come forward and you say, I want to be involved in what you're doing because you give us permission to be in your life. We give you permission to be in our life and we get to have some of these tough conversations that I've talked about this month as we look at what the purpose of the heart is. We get to sharpen one another. And by the way, sharpening is not an easy thing. When you take two hard objects and you use them against each other in order to sharpen something, it, yeah, there's going to be sparks flying sometimes. It smells funny when you sharpen. Anybody ever sharpen something? Yeah, it smells funny. But if you do it right, you have this great tool that can be used. That's what it is when you, when you come alongside one another as we continue to go into this community to win people for Christ and grow for him in our community. Whatever your response is this morning as we stand and sing our response song, I hope you'll kind of have wrapped your mind around this whole series of what the purpose of the heart is. And, but ultimately, at the end of the day, our hearts will be revealed. We think we can cover it up here, but God's already seeing it. And what's revealed will be rewarded. Will you stand and sing our response song with us?